your two. Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Jeff Fiegels. Hi, Paul. At Giants WFAN, <laughs> at Jay Fiegels. That'd be it. Hello, Jeff. What up? Day what up? three of Giants minicamp. It's Breakaway mandatory. Day. It's in the books. Go home day. Giants had a shortened practice today as Why? Coach Shermer was able to get these guys out of here for the next five or six weeks. Those cars were, they were running in the parking lot. They were. Gorgeous day, by the way, in North Jersey for yeah. another outside practice. Uh, Jeff, why don't I just start today's program? And by the way, uh, of course, you can hit us up on Twitter uh, at Giant, hashtag Giants Chat or 201-939-4513. By asking you, from a player's perspective, what is the thing that you're most concentrated on as you go into the summer, knowing that you have this short vacation before training camp begins? Well, I think first and foremost, you know, this is an exciting time for the players because they put in all the work in the off season. They did the the training portion of it and the phase one, phase two, phase three, all the phases they go through, the OTAs, the mandatory minicamp, and now is a time to enjoy the summer. Enjoy your family. Enjoy uh, some vacations. Those are the things you look forward to. With uh, You have to keep in mind that there's still some work to be done as far as staying in shape and running and doing the things that you need to do. The strength and conditioning coach usually gives the guys a, um, a folder or you know a binder of stuff that workouts to do um, in phases going from this week until we're leading up to training camp. I don't know what the Giants do anymore if they have a conditioning test when they get here. Most teams do. Uh, some some have gone away from it. But the fact is they expect you to come back in shape. They expect you to do things the right way, and they expect you to represent that NY on that helmet when you are away from this facility and make sure you do that and make sure you do it well. There will be uh, rookies, quarterbacks, and selected veterans coming back on July 22nd There will be a uh, session with those guys on the 23rd and the 24th. The veterans, the rest of them, report on the 25th. There will be a conditioning test on the 25th. Mm -hmm. And then on the 26th of July, there will be the first full team practice. Just so you guys have that schedule squared away, we do know for sure that the second week of the preseason, the Giants will be in Detroit to play the Lions. Which is going to be great. On the 17th of August. Uh, That means on the 14th, 15th, and 16th, the Giants will have practices with the Lions out at their Allen Park, Michigan facility at 9 o'clock in the morning. We'll get you details as to whether or not those are open to the public or not. Detroit, will, oh, I'm sure they are. they'll control that because it's a Lions home uh, yeah. event. Yeah. Uh, but for any of you out there in Michigan who want to check it out or those of you who might be going out there, we'll try to get that information to you when it does become available. Uh, your thoughts on having the dual team practice giants did that i believe it was in 15 against the Bengals. i love it i talked a little bit about it yesterday with lance i think it's the wave of the future i think it's the way to go i also think that you get way more out of a joint practice than you do a preseason game Um, i think you get more reps you get more evaluation i think you get up tempo um, to a point and i just think that it's better that you're not hitting your own guys for two days but I think from an evaluation process, you get a lot done as long as, and I remember when uh, Coach Coughlin had went, we went up to, I actually went to that training camp in Cincinnati that year. The, mm-hmm. the whole message behind that was this, guys, we're going to go up here and we're going to get something done. Let's make sure that we do things the right way. Oh, it's work. It's and, not a vacation. No, it's work. <laughs> but by saying, like, you know, let's not have this turn into a fight fest. Yes. You know, and every, every drill we're fighting and it's kind of a complete chaos and we waste our time. We don't have, this is a coach saying that, we do not have enough time to waste reps and practice time when we go away. You only have so many practices. I don't want to waste it on fights and getting guys hurt and this and that. We've got to concentrate and do things well and practice well. And it went well with the Bengals. And I think that that's, that's what, the, what a lot of teams are going to do. I mean, the Patriots have done it the last couple of years. I think that Coach uh, Coughlin's and the Jaguars and, and Doug Marone, they've done it last year. It's, I think it's the way to go. I like it a lot. Now, I'm going to defer to you. I'm going to give you a statement here, but defer to you based on the fact that you've gone through 20-plus different off-seasons as a player. Yeah. The toughest thing for a player to do, he can take care of his nutrition, he can take care of his strength and conditioning and his stamina. Uh, The toughest thing I was always told was muscle memory. 
especially for a guy, let's say, like Eric Flowers, who's now the right tackle and has had to practice at a different position. The muscle memory of how to use your body during actual football drills. You can't do that because you can't replicate these actual practice sessions or football drills on your own. Yeah, and I think that, you know, then some guys can go through and go do some, some drills, and, you know, you can keep some of your muscle memory. You know, listen, if you're a right or left tackle, you can get in your stance and take your take your drops. But, you know, you can't. And maybe some guys get together and work out. I mean, that's probably what happens. You know, for instance, like the guys that are down in Miami, you know, those guys probably are around each other, and mm-hmm. they, can, they can do some work. But, yeah, I mean, you know, muscle memory comes back fairly quickly, but it doesn't come back – at a newer position, it's all about reps and getting those numbers of repetitions because that become muscle memory. And from a right ta- left tackle to a right tackle, you know, you're missing a lot of that stuff. Yeah, no question. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. We'll get to your calls in just a moment. Special edition here as we wrap up Giants minicamp. Day three is in the books. Of course, Twitter, hashtag Giants chat. Final thoughts on just wrapping up the camp before we get to the calls, Jeff. Uh, it seemed to me that based on everything that the coaches have talked about and the players have talked about, two of the more intriguing battles that we will be looking for once training camp opens. On offense, it will be the starting center spot where Brett Jones and John Jalapio are really having themselves one terrific tug of war. Fine, fine. Listen, I think that both of them can play. I think both of them can, can you know, can play at that level. Um I think that Jonesy had a little bit – he's got a little bit more experience, obviously. Um, but I think that the coaching staff did see – you know, he's not a very big guy. So, you know, you've His got – His frame. Yeah, and I think that they would like to have a bigger presence in there knowing that you've got a guy like Will Hernandez next to you and, you, and the right tackle or the right guard. Well, Mommy's pretty big be. too. Yeah, so I think that um, you'd like to have a lot of beef inside of there. Um, because I think that the Giants are going to bolster their running game this year. And so I think a bigger body, a bigger body mover, somebody that can move people, mm-hmm. I think he's the – but that would be a great – I agree. There will be a good good competition. Knowing that both of them can play and whoever doesn't play is a, is a good guy that can pl- back up at a guard or a center position. Yeah, no doubt about that. And on defense, Coach Shermer today – was very specific about the corners, well, the third, fourth, and fifth corners. Sure, now, we, we thought William Gay – was going to come right in and be the third corner and be the slot guy. Well, Coach Shermer today said third, fourth, and fifth corners, they're all doing well, and that's going to be a great competition. And remember, it's also going to depend on not only matchups, but the guys who can play special teams. Special teams, and and it'll be a battle of attrition. The guys that will be there that don't get hurt, you know what I'm saying? Don't say that. <laughs> no, but that's, and that's <laughs> but at any, you're right. But that's at any position. You're right. And I had mentioned this yesterday on the show with Lance, and I, and, I, and, it, and it's kind of like you, it's a broken record with us at this time of the year. Anytime you start talking about third, fourth, fifth of anything, you talk about special teams. Mm-hmm. Third, fourth, fifth receiver. Maybe not so much the receiver position because you need three, right. but four, five, six at the receiver, four, five, six at the defensive back position or safety. Special teams, special teams. Four, five, six at the linebacker. Got to play special teams. This bread and butter, buddy. If you if you're not a starter at one of those positions that we did, you better play special teams. Guys like uh, Travis Rudolph gotta be able to be a good special teams player. Um, a guy like um, Dante Dion, Dante Dion, Cody Latimer. Um, you know what? Even I'm telling you right now, even William Gay's gotta play special teams. He's gotta be a guy that Curtis can play Riley, a guy Curtis who's gotten reps at safety yes. this week. So all depend, and we know that the special team needs a lot of help because last year it was horrendous. And I think that Coach Shermer is going to pit, put a lot of emphasis on special teams. And because, you know what? You know who's a special teams guy at the very top of the food chain? That's Dave Gettleman. He wants good special teams, and he'll go out and get guys like Cody Latimer to come in here and play. He's a good special teams player. And watch, watch him out on the outside of his blocking skills. One of the best blocking receivers I've seen. Yeah, he does block well for the running game. I mean, no we question. can't really tell, like – you know, in this drills but out we here. we know of his past. Absolutely. And there's yeah. no question he's good at that. Yeah. All right, folks. We're going to get to your phone calls at 201-939-4513. Our lines are open. We've got plenty of availabilities, maybe because of the odd start time today, well, uh, coming off of minicamp. Maybe it's because everybody's pose- out the U.S. Open, where we should be. Not Maine. <laughs> you, maybe. Uh, I, I pose this question to you, folks. We've already given you some some uh, things, facts, figures, and analysis to kind of chew on. But I pose this question to you, 
and Jeff, you'll answer this in a bit after we get to some of our fans. Saquon Barkley has had a very good offseason, has impressed these coaches beyond belief, not just with his physical skills and his demeanor, but his ability to pick up the playbook. In fact, they're saying he's making all the right adjustments on the practice field, even though they are non-contact practices. He seems to be very good at taking in the audibles, at reading the schemes, at picking up the blitz, being in the right spot. My question for you fans, and Jeff, you'll you'll get to this one a bit in a bit yourself. Should Saquon Barkley be the workhorse running back right away out of the gate, since he appears to be learning things so quickly, or should the Giants kind of work him in slowly, use the committee? You got Stewart, you got Gallman, you know. You could divvy it up if you like. We're talking about Barkley in the passing game. Or maybe, you know what, throw him into the deep end of the pool and let him be the guy. Folks, I want to hear from you. 201-939-4513. Let's go to the first phone call of the day on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey, this is Mike from Alabama, guys. And Mike uh, long, from Alabama. Long, 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 long time Giants fan. I'm a transplant, transplant from Connecticut. Wow. Uh, All right. But, uh, I want to talk about uh, summer camp, and I, I, and, I, and I don't want to bore you guys, but, Paul, you may remember some of this, but uh, early 60s, I was probably 9 or 10 years old. Uh, the Giants used to train at Fairfield U. I know of it. I was not around in those days. I, I came on board when they were at pace. Okay. But I, I, if I can share just a couple stories for the longtime Giant fans my age and uh, – if I may, sure. Go quickly. Go ahead. We'll, okay. We got other callers, but go ahead, real quick. Okay. Well, uh, my dad used to pile us in the station wagon. Uh, we'd go to Fairfield U and we watched the Giants. And uh, he was all state back in Ansonia High School in Connecticut. And ten years uh, after him, there was a defensive back on the Giants squad. His name was Alan Webb, number twenty-one. Mm-hmm. He also made All-State at the same high school. So was my later dad an knew assistant Alan. coach. So basically uh, when uh, they would walk up from the field house and we were able to get autographs. So Alan stopped to talk to my dad, and here I am, a kid with my autograph book. And who else is coming up? Uh, my dad wanted to meet Andy Robustelli. Uh, Robe- Alan motions Andy to come over. And before you know it, uh, I was in the midst of Alan Webb, Andy Robustelli, Kyle Rowe, and the great Frank Gifford. And I still have those autographs, and I cherish them to death. That's great stuff. Wow. Those are th- those three in particular of the four you mentioned, I yeah. mean, you're talking about legends. And that's also about the time when you could get close to the players like that. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Jeff. You know. Hey, Jeff I, Jeff, I saw you about seven or eight years ago at Windsor Locks Hartford Airport. I was heading, I think, to Charlotte. Okay. And, I'm sit- and, I'm, and I'm there next to my wife, and I say, I know that guy. I just know <laughs> that guy. And, you know, after, after I found out it, we were ready to board the plane, you were talking to some, some people, and I said, hey, who is that? He goes, that's Jeff Steagles. I said, damn it. Excuse my French. <laughs> and I said, I could have talked to him. But anyway, Jeff, it's good to talk to Thank you. Thank you. And, Thank you. And, Paulie, uh, I, you know, I thought you maybe went back a little bit as far as I did, but yeah, I don't remember the pace days. Back then I was, I think I was, in college or something, but anyway, I wanted to share that for all the the baby boomer longtime Giants fans and Very uh, good. And, and have a great show. And Thank I, you, I'm Mike. A longtime listener and frequent caller, but uh, anyway, I'm an Alabama fan, so roll tide. And go Appreciate the man. phone call. Thank you. Thank you. You know, all he had to do was ask you to drop kick your cup of coffee. He would have known <laughs> who you were. I'm trying to figure out where that Windsor Airport is. You know where that's at? I don't. Uh, is it near a golf course? No, I don't remember. Because that uh, would have been why you were there. I'm wondering if it might have been when I was going going to see Zach, uh, what did he say, six or seven years ago? I think he, he did, yeah. Oh, okay, I have no idea what that was then. Forget okay. about it. All right. We go to line one. Dave from Cranford. You're next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. How are you, Jeff? How are you, Paul? Hey, Great. what's up? Hey, good. Hey, Jeff, I just wanted to ask you real quick. you ever play Shinnecock um, I have. in all of your oh travels? Oh, my God. Yes, I have. Yes. I, I'm sure. And, and I would think that you probably put up a score that could be competitive out there today. Oh, well, so, uh... yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I, I promise you it wasn't playing like, you know, today it was playing a little bit harder than when I played it. But I will I will tell you that, I, as you guys know, I'm an avid golfer. 
It is in my top three of courses I've ever played. I love it out there. It's absolutely beautiful. I don't know if you're going to get a chance to go out there, um, but it is, it's special. It is a really yeah, special I, place. I, I figured. I, 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 I've had the pleasure of playing with you before, so I, I know that it's a uh, – I knew that you'd Thank probably you. put up a good score because you've taken a lot of my money over the years. So, uh, <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm just kidding you. So keep it quiet. Hey, I just wanted to, to hit on uh, Paul what you were talking about the competition in camp, and and I think there's really a a really important point to what you brought up in terms of just the center position, the secondary position, and I think that's just kind of a lack of of anybody having a you know, the, the openness that the coaching staff has to giving guys a real chance. And I think in the past, I think we suffered a little bit from guys getting a little too complacent and comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think you see that at the center position. I agree with you in terms of, of what um, I think Jalapio really, you know, offers something there in the run game, which I think you're going to see. But I think it's also in terms of the, the defense and, um, you know, kind of just making that level of, of competition, which I think really plays over into the season. I'd just like to get your guys' thoughts on that. Well, Jeff, I think the, the thing that I'd like to say about it is that, you know, last year was all about trying to build depth on the roster after the previous season the Giants had made the playoffs with a very formidable starting 22. But they knew they were thin on the depth chart. And they were unable to, to make that happen. They had a lot of injuries. A lot of things went bad. And, and the season went south. So this off season, I think they did a very, very uh, significant and important job of, of enhancing the depth on this team. The competition on the second and third units of this squad is probably as good as it's been since, I don't know, it could be as good as maybe 2011, 2012. So, so to me... The enhanced competition on the depth chart is what's allowing this this battle to begin at many of these positions that you're talking about. I don't necessarily know if it's because the Giants of the previous couple of years didn't want competition. I don't think they had enough of guys who could really fight for the job or can play. Yeah, I I, I think you got to take your hat off to the scouting department and and coach and and Dave Gettleman about actually really building up this depth chart the way it is because you look at this roster. You got it right here. I mean, you go down this. There are not a lot of guys that are left on this team from last year. And and you, you talk about building building the team through free agency and draft and, you know, all the kind of stuff. There are some good, good names on here for good competition, and we're seeing it out there. So I can't wait to see these guys play in, in, in preseason game and, and in training camp when they have, when it's live. Then we're going to get a really good idea how, how, depth, how much depth this is. But – Ultimately, I think that is what you want to do when you build a roster. You want to have competition in the two to three and the four deep that you could say, okay, you know what, these guys are all competing, and I think that if, if the number two guy needs to step into the number one position, he still can, and everybody can move up. I feel comfortable with it. I don't feel like at the end of the year, last year, this team could even say that. I don't feel like they no. thought that the second or the third people could even play football. Not at all. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was difficult. You're, you're, you're totally right, Jeff. I I would just add um, about Betcher's interview with the media yesterday. I, I think he can really pick up some important comments that he's making, and the, and the one that I would highlight for him is just the importance of of stopping the run. And and I you know you look at what they're looking at at least at the depth chart right now in terms of the D line, and the crazy part is if you look at the teams that we're going to be playing this year. Um, it's it's crazy in the league to think that a lot of them are really run heavy teams. That if you could, as a defense, you got to hang your hat on taking away one thing. You can't you can't do it all. Sure. So at the end of the day, you know, I look at it and say, hey, you look at the Eagles. Obviously, you look at the Cowboys. I don't know if they're going to be able to throw the ball this year, but but you know, you play those four times a year. We play Carolina. Even even New Orleans. Yeah. You know, has become more of a run oriented team you know maybe you get to atlanta and say that they could spread you out a little bit but but a lot of the teams we're playing are you know if you could control that line of scrimmage and control the run you give yourself a chance and and i think that's what he's looking at and i i like the direction they're going in and, and i just like to get your guys comments and i'll, I'll take it off air thanks for taking the Thank time you, guys. Dave. i really appreciate it you know it, it's football 101 it always starts in the trenches sure. jeff this, this is no secret it, it, yeah no it always does you know, no matter where this game evolves, it always starts on first down. You, you know, usually run the football. You got to stop the football. You got to stop it, and you got to run it, period. And you know what you have to do when you're winning games in the fourth quarter? Run the football. 
There you go. You got to have it. Interesting thought. I've often said that going into a summer camp, if most of your questions in terms of the battles and the competitions are on the second and third units of your depth chart, that usually means you have a pretty good team. If you know 85% of who your starters are going to be and, and most of the battles are on the depth chart, you know, that's thumbs up. When you have five, six, seven battles for starting jobs, that usually means maybe you're not such a good team. And so I do think the Giants are setting themselves up for what could be a much improved season. And, in fact, Gil Brandt, the godfather of the NFL, had a, a story on NFL.com last week saying he believes the Giants have the 10th best roster in the National Football League. Well, they have, they of course, need, it's only on paper. Though. Well, they're going to need it because they have one of the toughest schedules in the National Football League, especially yeah. the first eight games are brutal. No question. They're brutal. We go back to the phones, and line number three has Matt from Brooklyn waiting. You're on the show. Hello. Hi, hey, Matt. Paul. Hey, Jeff. How you Hi. doing? Um, I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? We're uh, great. Yeah, I. So I'm reading all the news coming out of training camp, and it's all positive, and we're all excited about Saquon, and you know, three lie hopefully coming, and it looks really good. And I remember every year I'm reading this, and every year in training camp everything seems great, and then the season comes, and you don't know how it goes. So <laughs> That's I the always, truth. <laughs> yeah, I always um I want to know because. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. good. And then it was terrible. What do you guys think, honestly, does this team still lack that is dangerous? That they, that they, I'm sorry, that they what? What is it? He wants to know what the team still lacks. I mean, I still think there are certainly some thin spots and some question marks, but I Mm. think, I think the best way to answer your question is this. I think the Giants have potential answers at each one of their thin spots. Potential Mm. answers. That doesn't mean they'll all come through. We don't know that Eric Flowers will work out at right tackle. Mm. We don't know for sure that Will Hernandez is going to work out. I think he will, but I don't know that. We don't Mm. know what the free safety spot's going to be. I mean, we'd like to believe that Thompson has a bounce-back season from what we thought we saw as a rookie. So there are questions, but I think there are at least guys who may have the correct answers. I think. I think what this team lacks, in my opinion, is experience. I think that there's, you know, you got a new offensive coordinator, you have a new defensive coordinator, you're running a new 3-4 defense, um, you kind of have a whole new offense. So, you know, this team is not it's – not, it's all new to them. So the experience factor, I don't mean like they lack experience in the fact that there's not enough veteran players. It's just that this team has not played together from a standpoint on offensive defensively. So – that's what preseason is for. Unfortunately, you know, you don't get to practice a lot of your playbook in preseason. It's just mundane, stupid stuff that you run. Um, and, you know, but that's what's, that's what's so important about these OTAs and the things that they're doing now in minicamp. Good question, though, Jeff. Do and you then, think that may, oh, give, give me a second. I want you to chime in oh, again. Sorry. But I want to follow up on Jeff's point. Do you think <laughs> that unlike Coach McAdoo, who did not believe you should be working on a bunch of your regular season plays during the preseason, do you think that Coach Shermer will want to use a lot of those plays to give these guys a chance to mesh? Well, I, I think he – no, I don't think he'll do it in the games. I really don't. I just think that that's just the way it works. But I do know this. If, if you have noticed that, you know, the screen game is very – they've been mm-hmm. working on the screen game. A lot. Because you have to. The screen game in football is not something you just plug and play. It takes a lot of timing and a lot of work, and they've been working on that to this day mm-hmm. to try to get it ready for the regular season. I think you'll see a little bit of it in the tra- in training camp. You know, but you know during training camp to those closed practices, that's when these teams are running stuff that they're trying to work on so nobody can see them so secretively. You know, it's so secret, which is kind of funny because, you know, when the season starts, this is now, they'll t- correct me if I'm wrong. When the season starts, each team usually it's four. It's a four game clip. They'll go back and watch four games. Right. Right. So after that fourth week, you pretty much have everything on tape anyway. So what is so secretively about the first week, the second week? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's all they think you either. I'm I come from the mind of this. It's you against me. And if I can win against you, then I'm going to win the game. So I'm going to put it out there. Now, the problem is that these defensive coaches are so smart that they'll try to trick and they try to play. And then you know what happens? They outcoach themselves. That's what happens in the league. These, these coaches think they're so brilliant, and they are, but they outcoach themselves. And then the, coach, the players are in the, in the meeting room going, oh, my God, what are we doing this week? 
and they're scratching their head, and it, it's just it's just unbelievable. Sometimes. Okay, Matt, go ahead. You had another yeah. point. Sorry, Matt. We yeah, got on I, and then uh, in the things that I'm reading, Saquon keeps burning with our conversion from the four three to the three four. He keeps burning our DEs and guys that are trying to transition to the linebackers. One, do you think that? I mean, Saquon is incredible, so him burning people doesn't seem unusual. But is are our DEs to the linebacker conversion? Is that going to happen so easily? And do you think Ogletree can make up for that if Vernon and uh, uh, Goodson are struggling a lot? And then who's our nickel corner? And Steagles, what do you think about the battle between, uh, what, Kern and Rosas? Who do you think is going to okay. be the winner? All right, for we first, got three things. Yeah, okay. So Go to kickers first. <laughs> okay, the kickers. Thank you, Matt. The kickers, I think this, is a really, I think this will be a really good um, competition between these two young guys. Um, the, the kicker that's here, Kern, I think is his name. Um, Cone, Cone, Cone. Um, you know he—he's—he's uh, he's not a, a rookie. He's been—he has not been on a regular season game, but he's been—you know—he's been in some camps last year. Um, but I think that ultimately those will be the guys. I don't think that they'll bring another veteran guy in there. Even one of these do- doesn't win the job, you can always go out and get a veteran. Um, the other thing, what was the other one? He wanted to know about the linebackers' coverage on okay, uh, Barkley. I, I think, Nobody could cover him. <laughs> no, I mean, come on. Which, listen, I, I think if our linebackers come out of practice and they're in the and the coach says, "Man, you guys did well today," that's great, that's good, but that's not going to be very often. I think that one thing about the linebacking position and a new scheme and getting to kind of to mesh together um, will take some time, and I think. Th- collectively through the NFL, you see the defense isn't that good at the beginning of the season. It's usually sometimes, you know, the offense wins, I think, and then all of a sudden the defense catches up a little bit, in my opinion. Um, but because of the tackling, you know, there's no tackling in training camp, so that's what I mean how the defense loses. They, they, don't have, they, they, they have to get used to tackling for the first two or three weeks, and then the defense plays better. Um, but I think our linebackers are improved. Ogletree, um, you look at uh, some of the guys. B.J. Goodson is healthy coming back from injury. You hope that he can stay healthy. Um, and then you got your, you know, the rest of the crew that can get out there and, and play some football. All right, we'll go to Twitter for a few comments. We'll get back to your phone calls in just a minute. Mark in Chicago says the Giants did the 15 preseason with the Bengals. We talked about that. Said they got their butts kicked in both practices and in the game. Well, it was not a good week for the Giants. I think we would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I remember. He says that was a sign of what was to become culminating in that season. And let's see what happens in Detroit. So uh, interesting thought. And, and I know a lot of people are going to have their eyes wide open on the Giants-Lions practices for sure. Well, I think the Lions are a good football team. Okay, certainly. They're a playoff team, right? Yeah. Last year. And I think that, you know, that's going to be good They'll competition. they to hunt for a wild card, sure. Yeah, yeah. Nick Welsh says, uh, how many linebackers does a 3-4 typically keep on the roster? Who do we have at that position outside of Ogletree and Goodson? Does Herzlick risk being a roster cut this year? Always loved him. Well, Herzlick's been in the league for six years, been a real good special teams player. And as far as uh, the Giants linebackers, remember, their outside backers are pseudo-defensive ends. It's a very fluid spot. They, they're kind of renaming that the edge position as opposed to yeah. outside linebacker. Yeah. Uh, how many inside linebackers will they keep? Jeff, you got to keep at least three. Yeah, you've got to have more? one that backs up each, each position I mean, there's two. I, I suspect, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, I suspect based on what he did in college – if they needed to, Lorenzo Carter could probably move inside. He yeah. did that at Georgia. Yeah. I don't I don't like it, but I, I'd rather. If you had you know, to. Yeah, if you had to, yes. Which yeah. is why I think they may only keep one backup inside backer and then use his versatility as the potential fourth string. So how many linebackers? Six? Seven? Well, again, I, I mean, don't. I think, I think what you're doing is you're keeping three inside backers and then edge rushers are the defensive ends and the outside backers. I think you lump them into the edge rusher pot. I don't well, think you count them as linebackers. Okay, either or. I mean, if you take away, the, if they're either going to be linebackers or they're going to be defensive linemen. So going into, the, in going into the question, I would say do not count Kareem Martin as a linebacker. Count him as a defensive lineman. He's an edge rusher. So he's... You know what I'm saying? Like, do you want to count him as a lineman, or do you want to count him as a linebacker? Well, I in my book now, because of the way they've redefined the positions, or should I say, undefined the positions? There's three then. I think I think there are defensive tackles, there are edge edge players, and then there are inside linebackers. That's how I would redefine them. To be honest with you, the way Betcher plays his scheme, 
Well, yeah, I think that's the way to. That's the way you have to. You have to kind of correlate them. But his question is, how many linebackers are you going to keep? So I think you're keeping three quote inside linebackers. Okay. You're keeping four defensive tackles. Okay, and then what are you keeping? A total of seven edge guys. Well, you got to have. You got to have. Remember, your edge guys are your are two of your four linebackers. You know, in a sense. Yeah. So you keep you keeping maybe eight. I mean, yeah, I had to put put the put. The, I haven't. I have. You know what? I yeah. haven't put it down yet because we're not close enough to training camp for me to start cutting guys and no, start I, figuring out numbers. But, but I think we have to identify the numbers and how we're going to categorize them. Maybe we do it in threes: D tackles, edge rushers, middle linebackers. Yeah, that's the way you have to do it. I I, I think you have to redefine your depth chart because Betcher's scheme does not lend itself to the typical old-fashioned depth chart. It just doesn't. No. Um, Okay, Uh, I Il Ruiz says, I want to see Saquon Barkley on all three downs, Paulie Dots. Um, I'll tell you what, the way he's going right now, picking up the system, you're going to see him more often than you won't. Okay, so we're, now we're going to, we finally got a, an answer to our question. Is I mean, so he wants to see him. He wants to throw him. He wants to throw him in the deep end, as you said. Well, I'm with him. <laughs> you you didn't draft him number two overall to sit him and try to get him pretty on the bench with the hat on. Uh-uh. No. I'm sorry. Listen, you know what? If you have to limit his reps on special teams and things like that, that's fine. But, man, you put him in there to play. To well, play. I, I, I hear you. I would say this. I think in situations, you would want to maybe see Gallman or Stewart in situations. But I'm of the opinion, after watching what he's done, especially during this offseason, picking things up as quickly as he has, I'm inclined to say he's going to get the bulk of the, the, the snaps. Look, I am. Look at a guy like Gurley. Doesn't mean touches. It means snaps. Okwara. And then, I mean, um, uh, the Kamara? guy. No, Kamara. Okay, look at the way he plays. Yeah, that's probably going to be the way that Saquon Barkley plays. Mm-hmm. The guy catches a ball out of the backfield. He runs extremely well. He blocks well. He's smaller than Saquon Barkley, by the way. Yeah, I mean Saquon Barkley is a is a pretty big dude. For me, Saquon Barkley has the quicks and the explosiveness of David Meggett did, but his body is actually much more like what Rodney Hampton brought to the table. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's even a little bigger than Rodney Hampton was. But he's that kind of mold, that kind of frame, but with the quicks of a David Meggett. And quite frankly, folks, that should not physically be possible. <laughs> but, but he does it every single day. We've seen him do it on the field. We have, um, I guess it's Parunga Salzer says, <laughs> what is Dante Dion's best attribute? And I would tell you right now, without a attitude, sh- without shadow of a doubt, yes, it's his approach to the game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. he's a gamer. He plays bigger than his body. He has to. He has to. He's a guy that's, that somebody has told him he couldn't play all his life when he's five foot eight or whatever it is, and so that's that's not a problem for him. And it's his attitude. It's his the way he approaches things, and and um, you know that's his best attribute by far. And you know what? That's okay. So there's some guys that that are not as great talent, but they study, and their attitude gets them to the where they need to be. We go back to the phones. Line two has Jay from Washington waiting. Hello, Jay. Hi, Jay. Hey, Paul. Hey, Jeff. How you guys doing? Good. Wonderful. How are you? Good. I'm well. I'm well. You know, I uh, haven't called in a long time, so I have just two statements and a question. Uh, first, kudos to you, Paul. You know, I, I nicknamed you uh, Paul Stradamus for calling Saquon Barkley. <laughs> you were uh, quite as excited as I was. And, uh, and Jeff, kudos to you for, you know, your hidden gem with timing the punts without a watch. You know, always showcasing your talent, you know. <laughs> always showcasing He's your talent. He's got a built-in okay, clock. Okay, boom. So, here we go. I was um, impressing people with that yesterday it, and it's so funny because it's, i mean when you see ten thousand punts going through the air you kind of learn how high and how long they are without having the you know electronic stuff so uh it was kind of funny i mean schnuck was really amazed at that by the way was he he really was he was like there's no way every single time you're within one one hundredths or two one hundredths of a second how does this work i'm like john seriously it's what you did <laughs> exactly okay <laughs> anyways thank you 
So, absolutely. So, here we go. So, Saquon Barkley, extremely excited about him. You know, I've really been uh, a fan of this guy since the 2016 season, and uh, just extremely excited that we have him. Um, my next point is the guy, John Jalapio. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this. Jalapio is what we, we, we butcher that. I butcher that name. It, I, I, yesterday I was about ready to call him Tilapio. Like tilapia fish, okay? A, a lot of folks have had trouble with it over the years, yeah. but we finally got to the bottom of it. It's jalapeno. Jalapeno, great. Uh, you know, I watched a lot of tape on this guy last night, you know, watching the Redskins game, uh, watching a few other games that uh, were, you know, a little later on in the season. And this guy is a hands-on guy. You know, when he gets you in the run game, you know, he's opening up his gap. You know, even in the passing game, he's very good at anchoring. I'm really excited to see him. Uh, I like Brett Jones, too, but I'm just really excited to see him in the lineup with Will Hernandez and Stolder and Omame, I really think that can be uh, a solid, solid line. Um, my last point and my question, I guess, to you guys is, you know, the schedules come out and, you know, everybody obviously sees the, the road that we have to get. It's kind of like a road to perdition. But um, I'm kind of feeling like, you know, we are very capable of beating a lot of the teams. You know, a lot of fans are saying 9-7, and 8-8, eight and eight, even heard 6-10. and 10. Then you have the high end who's 11-5, and 13-3. My question to you guys is that do you think other teams – see the Giants on their schedule and have that same type of, uh, you know, concern about playing us? I don't think any team right now is looking ahead to their schedule and figuring out what their opponents are going to be. I think they're too busy trying to figure out what themselves are going to be. What their roster is going to be, yeah. yeah. Honestly, I'm not trying to be funny. I, th- I think I, you know, where your point is, I think, I think that during the season, you know, you can sometimes look down the road and say, okay, you know what, this is a Giants team that was 3-13. and 13. You know, they're, they're they they They've gotten a little bit better, but you know we can, we do it when we look at the team. When we look at the the, the schedule, we do it. Oh yeah, you know look at the look at the Buccaneers. You know, count. <laughs> here's what I will tell you: Bill Poley in the Hall of Fame executive once said, and I believe it. I really, absolutely believe it, even more so today because of the CBA. You really don't know a lot of times what your team is until you've already played the first month of the season. And as far as I'm concerned, I'll say this. Coach will never say this because no coach will ever, you know, want to be satisfied with anything less than trying to win every game. In my opinion, if the Giants can get through the first four games at 2-2 two and two and set themselves up for a 12-game season after they find out what they are and after they master this defense and some of their rookies on offense like Barkley and Hernandez find their way, I would sign up for that right now. Two and two after four, make it a 12-game year, and let, let the chips fall where they may because I think the Giants have a lot of talent. Yeah. And my last question is this, guys, and I'll take this off air. Who is a player, you know, throughout training camp in the OTAs who's not getting a lot of notoriety but kind of playing on the field, stepping up, you know, working hard every day and showing that they could be capable of uh, contributing to the team? So thanks a lot, guys. Go Giants. Appreciate it, Jay. Thank you. Thoughts? I don't know if I can identify that player yet. I haven't seen enough. You mentioned one before, Corey Latimer. Okay, Corey, yeah. Made a lot be, of plays in the passing yeah, game. Yeah, he could be a guy that just kind of is under the radar. A lot of people don't know about him. Certainly, you know, the coaching staff does. Um, you know, I, I think that, yeah, he might be one. And I'll, I'll tell you a guy that I'm really excited about, and that's B.J. Hill. I mean, I think this guy is going to be a really the coaches good are excited about him, too. I mean, I was watching him on some of the drills they were doing and watching him come off the football and just his hand speed and position. Um, I know Snacks likes him, so evidently he must be good if Snacks likes him. <laughs> but I think that, you know, he's Will a, he share his lunch plate with him? <laughs> that's a pretty big lunch plate. There might be a little bit of room on there. But I think that's a, you know, those guys, uh, that's a big front. Those guys, some big beef in there to be able to stop the run. Um, so I, I'm, I'm interested to see how he plays. I think he'll play a lot this year. I think he will play a lot of football. I know Snacks the other day also mentioned that he thinks Tomlinson is going to have a real step up year too. Okay, well you know what? I think some the second year sometimes for these guys is a big year. You know, it's that well, he sophomore. was good as a rookie. Now don't well, don't diminish just, that. I know, I know, but I'm just saying the second year is using you know, the sophomore slumps that they they have. Oh, you know? oh you're going to go the other way now. I, no, I'm just saying you have to be you have to be <laughs> careful. These guys have to be careful. I know. 
But I, he doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that's going to, to be that way, in my opinion. You know. All right. So. No sound effects for the next call. We just go right to it. Line number one is Charlie from Portland, Maine. Hello, <laughs> no Charlie. No sound effects. <laughs> I got a bad <laughs> feeling. Hey, Jeff. <laughs> what's up, Charlie? Hey, what's going on with Mr. Illness 2? <laughs> I mean, what, what, what is his deal? I mean, do we know, is he going to be at camp, or is, is this a lingering thing that's going on for, like, months? Are, you, are you, talk, you talking about Macintosh? No. Yeah, Macintosh, the Apple. All right, Macintosh, Come on. It, it had been reported, okay, the Giants have not announced anything in terms of an injury or illness other than Coach said today he's going to have some type of procedure and that he would not necessarily rule any kind of schedule for him, would not rule him out for camp, would not say he'd be back for camp. He said, you know, we'll have to see. So whatever it wow. is that he's got to get taken care of, we'll, we'll check it out. But you'll remember it was reported um, right around the time of the combine, and I'm not sure how it was diagnosed, but it was reported that he may have had a thyroid condition. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that still is the case, so let me make that clear. Um, mm-hmm. I, will, I will say this, though. Um, he's been here for every session. He has been hitting the books, hitting the video. Unfortunately, not been cleared to do anything on the field. So he's behind the eight ball, and that's certainly going to hurt his chances of being active on game day if he makes the 53. But, of course, as you know as well, Charlie, there are other things you can do with the guy to give him a redshirt year, I-arm and practice squad right. him or whatever the case may be. Okay, now, now I just this is just a question because I don't know the answer to it, is – now you you know you drafted somebody. Can you cut somebody before he's because he hasn't signed a contract yet? Can you cut somebody and say, "Nah, this guy is sick and we don't need him anymore"? Is that possible, or do you have to sign him and then release him? Boy, you were with the players union for a while. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see why. I don't. First of all, I don't think it would ever happen. But um, you know, maybe a late rounder guy. But um, I, I don't see why you couldn't let a guy. You couldn't cut him. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just was curious. I was just curious. By by value of property, you know, like if you drafted him, you know, obviously he's a property right. of you. Um, and you, yeah, I, I don't see why you couldn't release him. No he, one's ever asked me that question before. But it, but because it doesn't really happen that often. I mean, you know, hey, my sixth round draft pick, I don't like him anymore. Well, no big deal. We didn't sign him anyway, so get rid of him. Charlie, I'd like to think, and again, I'm speaking for myself, not for anybody yeah. in the building. I'd like to think that if medically they can't get this thing squared away in time, you eye arm for the year and redshirt him. Yeah. And give him a yeah. chance to come yeah. back next season. Hey, okay, that's good. That's that, Yeah, I, I agree on that. And, Jeff, you were talking the other day about – this is my take on this. You were talking about, look, special teams is the most important thing for receivers, you know, the fourth or fifth receiver. You know, that's what's going to make them make the team. Right. And And I'm looking at it, I would rather have the better wide receiver who can actually catch the ball because if two or three guys go down like they did last year, you want a player that can actually catch the ball. And the thing is, if that did happen, your great special team player would be called up to the uh, offense and he probably wouldn't be playing special teams anyway because he'd have to be playing offense. Well, I think so it all it. Yeah, I think it all goes hand in hand though. I think obviously they're not going to you know, if you can't catch footballs as a receiver and you're a good special teams player, I don't think you're going to be on the team anyways, right? Yeah. Well, see what I would say is if, if it was between two players, got one guy was a better special team player, but the other guy was a better wide receiver. For me, I would take the better wide receiver for depth than to have a guy who's a good special teamer, but if we need him, he won't be playing special teams anyway, and he won't be as good as the guy we let go. Okay, I'll break it down this way. If you are a fourth or fifth uh, receiver, okay, fourth and fifth, fourth you're probably going to get, I don't know, let's take a guess at how many reps you're going to get at wide receiver being the fourth receiver in a game. Not very many. Can we call it five maybe? Yeah. If five. A handful. Okay, a handful. If you are a fourth or fifth receiver – there's typically 40 pre, uh, uh, special teams plays. You're going to be in there on probably 30 of them. So there's my point. So your your value is 30 snaps in pre in a, in a, as a special teams guy or four or five as a receiver. And remember, the Giants also, when they go four wides, they might wind up using Engram as the fourth wide. Yeah, so your fourth likely. wide receiver may not even play five snaps in a game. Right. 
Yeah, but what happens, like last year, hopefully it never does again, we lose our two two wide receivers, and all of a sudden that fourth guy is starting. He's a number two. Yeah, no, Charlie, I, I, I appreciate I, I, your, your yeah. agita. Believe me, I do. Yeah, I, I think that in a perfect world, you'd like to have the guy be a good special teams player and can catch a cold whenever he wants, right? Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, I'll right, give you a great exactly. example. That's one of the reasons why they were so happy to have Dwayne Harris and before that Dominic Hickson. Sure. Those guys could play the receiver position as well as being very good on right. specials. Yeah, yep. And hopefully, you know. A lot of us are supposed to be that yeah, guy. Yeah, supposed to be that guy. And, Charlie, I want you to know, okay, yeah. as of I am, we are, I'm cooking the lobster this weekend. I mean, it's already cooked, but I'm doing the lobster yeah, rolls yeah. on Father's Day for <laughs> nice. for appetizers with my kids are coming over. Hopefully, I get to eat one because when the boys come <laughs> over, I rarely get to eat anything because they all. <laughs> <laughs> save one. Save one. So I will save out. one. Okay, I will take a picture of it. I promise. I will post it on um, right. on, uh, on on Twitter. So it'll be, it's, the time okay. has come. So that'll just, be good. Just enjoy it. Just we will. Enjoy it. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. We go to line three, and A.J. from South Carolina, you're next on the show. Hello. Uh, uh, thanks for uh, taking my call. Sure. Uh, sure. I wanted to ask about uh, Nate Shuller uh, got uh, injured. Uh, is he uh, okay? I'm sorry. I think we lost you. You still there? Hello? A.J., did yeah. we lose you? Your cell phone, I think you either have a bad connection or a oh. bad battery. There he is. I Can hear you him. call us right back? Uh-oh, uh, but, uh, oh, there Shuller, you are. Okay? Yeah, okay, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I know her about uh, Nate Scholar. Uh, he was uh, injured. Uh, is he uh, okay? Yep. He, he's cutting out. He's... Oh, okay. Thank you, AJ. We we think we heard you. Matt, our producer, said he thinks you were asking about Nate Solder. Good catch, man. Um, thank you, and we appreciate the phone call. I'm sorry if we couldn't hear you too good, AJ. Maybe you want to hit us up on Twitter, or I know we'll have time to talk to you again tomorrow if you want to give us a call back. By the way, the show goes back to 12 noon tomorrow, Eastern Time, as minicamp is over. We do want to go back to our originally scheduled time. Nate Solder said that he got his leg rolled up on when he went down as Hernandez and uh, Snacks Harrison got a bit feisty and aggressive with each other. But he said he felt fine and he thought he was okay. Hadn't even gone to see the doctors. That's how minor it was. So I don't think there's really anything to worry about. And by the way... Another fight? uh, By the way, as as he himself said, it's the intensity of practice. This, This happens. So we move on. Line number two has Norris from New York. Hello. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, Norris. Well... Paulie and Jeff, first doing, time boss? caller, a Thank long you. time Thank listener. you so much. I'm happy I finally was able to get well, through. Well, we're happy to. Guys. Always you. hit us up on awesome. Twitter if you have to. <laughs> yeah, I've I'll, I'll tried before, but this is the first I'm getting through, so I'm happy. Great. But um, I just want to talk, to talk about a couple things today. First, I've always, I always say this to my friends. I want to thank Ben McAdoo and the coaching staff from last year just for a good season in, in 2016 and then right. having us go 3-13 and 13 in 2017 because – all that, that strife allowed us to get Saquon Barkley, who, I mean, if we didn't win the Super Bowl, we might as well get a good pick out of it. So now we got Saquon, and we have a fresh start in this year to really uh, make some things happen. But I think, for one, with Saquon Barkley in the team, um, I always call Eli General Eli Manning the general of the offense. I think with Saquon on the team, Odell Beckham and Thurman Shepard on the, on the outside, and Evan Ingram um, of the team, our offense is going to be really hard for defenses to match up with, and it's going to give us um, a lot of opportunities to, to put up um, a lot more numbers this season. So I think it's going to be really big for us. I have just a feeling that this year we're going to be playing for the NFC Championship game at least. So that's just a, a random prediction of mine, but I, I think we can make it happen this year. And um, I have a question for you guys. I've heard Hernandez get into a couple of different scuffles during training camp and, um, and OTAs and stuff like that. What what would it be that's causing these scuffles to happen? Um, like why why are these guys always going you know back and forth and kind of fighting? And do you think it's gonna you know have any carryover into the normal season? Um, appreciate you guys. And All I'll right, take thank my you. Off the air. Please do call again. We appreciate it very much, uh, Jeff. I we can't speak to exactly what has happened in these individual instances where there's been abrasiveness with Will Hernandez on on a couple of cases, but. Tell me from your experience in years <laughs> past, and keep it clean, no, no, what I, would be something that might have triggered a bit of uh, sandpaper during your time in training camp? Well, I will tell you, just I, I can already see what this is. 
this is a classic example of veteran versus rookie. Okay? Because, you know, these veterans, they, they kind of want to test out these guys. These guys are your teammates now, okay? So it's going to be clean. They're not going to be any, you know, haymakers coming down, things like that. But, you know, Hernandez has a reputation coming in as being a kind of a guy that's gotten a little bit of scuffles here and there. Um, Snacks is a, is a guy that is going to push the – he's going to push it. Mm-hmm. He's going to push him and just want to make, wants to see the kind of attitude that this guy has. They're going to practice against each other all year, okay? And I think that it's almost like, you know, that point where it, there's a little feeling out process. You know, how far can I push this guy before he bends? And obviously not very far because Will Hernandez will fight you back which is a good thing in my mind. I don't care as long as it doesn't lead to a penalty. And to answer your question. Or anybody getting hurt. Or anybody. I don't. In, yeah, in, including himself. Yes. Um, but I think that what happens is is that, you know, a lot of times it's the heat, it's the frustration of being in training camp for a long time. These things are, this was not, there's not a lot of going on out there at practice. It's not hot. I know that. They're, they're not like in full pads and going full speed and that kind of stuff. So I just think it's a little bit of a, Hey rookie, let me show you how the things are done here. Um, and you know, you big shot second rounder. I'm going to tell you, you know, going to I'm basically going to show you who's boss. And, and to be honest with you, and I'm not going to speak for what happened during this mini camp at all, but I know of past camps, training camps, where assistant coaches or even head coaches would oh, yeah. say, "Hey, one. they'd go to a veteran and say, we got to test that guy out. We got to find out what he's sure. made of. We got to find out what his metal is." Yeah. Push him to the line. Push his button. I'm not saying go fight a guy. Nobody ever says to a player, go fight a guy. Just get in his head. You know what? Let's let's test his intensity. Let's mm-hmm. test his mentality. Let's test his threshold and, and just see what kind of fire he's got. And then sometimes it boils over a little bit. Yeah. And sometimes it's just you know, it's just a play. It's just a play that happens where you know, there's a little bit of more uh, extracurricular activity going on, you know, just a little push after the play and or, you know, a, a little slippage of, you know, boom and right into the guy's chin mm-hmm. catches him off guard. It doesn't feel good, obviously. And he's going to he's going to bicker back and fight back. And the next thing you know, the other guy's not going to put up with it. And then you have a fight. You know, well, let's not forget. These are no contact practices right now. So that's the other thing. Guys yeah. aren't used to hitting anybody, and if somebody accidentally trips or falls on somebody and lands the wrong way, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you hit me. We're not supposed to have contact. Well, I do know this. I know that the offensive linemen and the defensive linemen have a wink-wink. You know, when they're going in practice and, and they're doing one-on-ones and, you know, it's a hot day and this and that, you know, Deal used to say this to me all the time. He's, you know, I'd ask him that. Like, how, why, why, why do some guys get in fights and some guys don't? And Deal's like, because we have, we have packs. Like, you know, I'll say to the defensive lineman, listen, I ain't feeling good today. Let's let's keep it down a little bit, you know. And they have that. Well, all of a sudden, you cross my face, and I have a, I have an agreement with you, and you come after me when I told you not to, there's going to be a fight. There's <laughs> going to be a fight, and it happens. Such is the game of the National Football yeah. League. Folks, that'll do it for today's show. Oh, wow, that went quick. We invite you to join us again tomorrow at our regularly scheduled time. That's 12, 12 o'clock Eastern time here on Giants.com for another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. He is Jeff Fiegels at Jay Fiegels on Twitter. Happy Father's Day to everybody, by the way, coming up, even though I won't see you all tomorrow. You too, my friend. Thank you. I'm Paul Dottino at Giants WFAN. We will see you next time on Giants.com. So long, everybody.